Hello, welcome to the sixth episode of my podcast, Everyday Wife. I'm Annalise. If you're new here, I'm a 24-year-old wife and new mother to my almost six-month-old, which is crazy, and he's actually behind me right now sleeping while I record this, so hopefully he stays asleep for the duration of this. He seems pretty sleepy, so he should be good. Um, I'm really excited about today's podcast. This is something I've been mulling over for a while now. Also, excuse me if I'm a little stuffy. I have been sick with a variety of things recently. So um, forgive me if my voice sounds a little off. But anyway, so I'm excited about today's podcast. I've been mulling these thoughts over for a while and have had conversations with other women who have expressed similar experiences. Um, So um, let's jump into it. I'm going to be talking about health, about healing journeys as we like to call them um, and how good things can turn into a chronic form of selfishness and I would say beyond that um, self-absorbed self-centered neuroticism that's the word I would use for it so if you are on the interwebs if you're on Instagram you have probably or maybe not Uh, come across certain circles of which I am a part. Um, I do not condemn any individual who is out there sharing information. I am so thankful for the spread of free, useful information that gets people thinking, gets people researching, helps people to be um, self-educating, right? So, but maybe you're part of these communities that talk a lot about health, talk a lot about non-toxic lifestyles talk a lot about eating right and these are all excellent things I follow a lot of these pages and I have implemented a lot of the things I've learned I have not implemented a lot of the things I've learned as well and everyone gets to do their own version of what they want to do and you don't have to take any of the advice at all but I preface it all that way to say this is in no way a condemning speech (laughs) excuse me Um, on any one Instagrammer or even on the community it's first of all it's much broader than just like one single community there are Venn diagrams of these things there's different um, perspectives within that community so this is all to say uh, nothing condemning about this I'm using this as a bouncing board to is that what you call it diving board launching board. <laughs> I use, I'm use i using this as a launching board to talk about something that I have fallen into through no fault to anyone else, merely my own um, sinfulness and um, selfishness. So people will talk a lot about non-toxic stuff, food, whatever, and healing. And um, healing is a wonderful thing. It's incredible to go from feeling horrible, tired, chronically fatigued, um, you know, having terrible digestion, um, very depressive moods that are related to like nutrient deficiencies and stuff like that. It's a wonderful thing to go from experiencing those things and making some changes in your diet, in your lifestyle that bring about um, renewed vibrancy, health, better skin, um, maybe help improve your mood so that you're functioning better during the day a big one too is going from being tired to actually having energy this is huge for the moms 
So there's a lot of information about there about how that can help you and I think it's wonderful. However, there are pitfalls with anything and I'm going to go all the way back to talking about Eve, uh, wife of Adam, <laughs> in the Garden of Eden who was tempted um, by the serpent um, to become like God and she saw that the fruit was um, desirable to eat and desirable to make one wise and I there was another one it was basically the lust of the flesh the lust, lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life um, but I really want to focus in on that one desire desirable to make one wise wisdom we hear about in Proverbs is basically the best thing you can obtain it says if you get anything get wisdom get understanding if you can be wise it it flows into every other aspect of your life I, I like to say this wisdom is the fountain from which all graces flow and I like to take it a step farther it's also the fountain from which all feminine graces flow kindness flows from wisdom and frugality flows from wisdom not that men shouldn't be kind and frugal but I talk to women so um, kindness flows from wisdom and frugality and patience um, these are ultimately fruits of the Holy Spirit um, but wisdom is something that we're given by God when we ask in faith with no doubting like it talks about in James and he gives generously to all without reproach to all who ask in faith with no doubting okay so Eve's desire for wisdom or your desire for wisdom um, is the desire for wisdom in and of itself bad? No, not at all. It is, again, what uh, what does God say? If you get anything, get wisdom, get understanding. The problem is Eve was willing to transgress the law of God, transgress the, the very clear commandment of God and start doubting and rationalizing the commandment of God to get this elusive wisdom that the serpent was promising her and um you know the serpent satan said no god knows that when you eat of it you'll be like him knowing good from evil and i wonder how that appealed to eve in the sense of oh well then i will be uh, able to discern well i don't know what that meant to her at the time right because this is this is before sin had entered the world so i don't know what it was like but these things right to, to know good from evil like shouldn't we want that shouldn't we desire to be wise um but these these things eve was willing to she loved these things the idea of these things first of all she's listening to satan okay that's a problem and yeah but but second of all she wanted these things she loves these things with no regard to the lord that gave her the commandments with no regard to um to god's authority over her as her creator as the one who made her all right now that's talking about something that happened in a garden thousands and thousands of years ago right how does this apply to us well are you willing or justifying your uh, lack of submission to your husband um in the name of obtaining wisdom or aka obtaining health wisdom are you becoming so absorbed in your descending into rabbit holes and seeking answers 
that you are neglecting your husband, not submitting to him when he says, "Hey, I wouldn't like I would I wouldn't like to do that. I I don't want to buy organic right now. It's not in the budget." And you blow past him and say, "I don't care." And you justify it with this seemingly very pious reason. I'm doing this for our health. I'm doing this for your health, husband. <laughs> right? Um so you should be grateful. <laughs> and then we return to the things we've been reading and they further justify it and we exalt the pursuit of wisdom. Um, we exalt the, the healing journey over our relationship with our husbands, our commandment to submit to our husbands. Okay. Um, and then it becomes what I mentioned earlier, a very selfish and self-absorbed thing, which I'm going to go back to that. But let me just talk about this with, in relation to husbands. I am so guilty of this. This is not me coming on here, condemning anybody. Um, this is something I have done and have to fight. And um, we've had a lot of discussions. I'm not suggesting that you don't share the things you're learning with your husband. I think you should share the things you're learning with your husband. That He should be the first person you go to. But you should actually go to him to hear his thoughts, to trust that he has wisdom as your leader and the head of your household and not just to dump something on him and say, you should think this because I think this now and you're wrong and we need to make changes. We need to spend this money. No, if you're going to ask him, actually ask him <laughs> what he thinks um, and do it gently, not as I'm coming to teach you and lecture you on how you can be healthier. Go to him and say, I've learned about this. Can you share me, share with me what you think? Do you think this is sound? Do you think this is reasonable? All right, then hear what he has to say. If he thinks it's reasonable, how would you feel about implementing some of these things? Or you don't even have to say that. How do you think this, you know, what would it look like to, you know, if this is wisdom, what would it look like to start applying some of these ideas, some of these principles? Um, Okay, let's say he said, yeah, I, I think this is wise. I'd like to apply some of these principles. Okay, how can we steward our finances in such a way to make a priority? And then, wives, <laughs> be willing to give up. If, if it is a priority to you, be willing to give up other things to make it more financially feasible. And if it means giving up your weekly coffee or whatever, um, then be willing to do that because if you come to him and say, I think we should do this, and he says, well, okay, but let's see how we can do it financially. We have some room in the budget here if we give up our weekly coffees. And you're like, well, I'm not really willing to give up my weekly coffees for it. I think I just want to add more to the budget. Well, then you're not demonstrating um, that it's really important to you. Um, you're demonstrating that your your coffees are important to you, and I'm not saying that's that's bad, but it reveals where your priorities are. So don't don't um, try to convince them that you're so serious about it if you're not willing to potentially make sacrifices for it. Okay, so you, okay, looks like my son might be waking up. Okay, I think he's sleeping. Um, anyway, so let's say you have this conversation with your husband. It goes well. That's best case scenario, right? Let's say you go to your husband and you say, what do you think of this? Do you think it's sound? He comes back and says, no, I don't agree with this. All right, let it rest. You are not going to bring a blessing into your marriage by 
aggressively countering um, his insight and trying to, uh, yeah, you're not going to bring blessing into your marriage by refusing to submit to that. Now, let it rest. And then if you really feel the need, you feel compelled to do something because you think it's, it's truly in the best interest of the family, wait for a while, pray about it, ask the Lord to be working in your husband if this is his will for you, right? Be humble because what if you're learning? What if what you're learning isn't sound or isn't completely sound, right? But you are so fixated upon it um, and convince yourself that you have to do it. You have to do it immediately, right? It's, it's skewing your reason. So pause, wait, pray, ask that God would give you one mind with your spouse, right? Something someone once told me was, don't pray for the person to come over to your side. Pray to become of one mind. Being of one mind is better than them coming over to your side. Now, pause. I do want to say there are objectively better or worse things. I'm not suggesting that choices are all neutral. I'm suggesting that choices need to be understood in the context of submission to one's husband. And if you are a Christian wife, you believe in um, the Bible, this is this is a non-negotiable submitting, submitting to your husband. Okay. And um, so let's say you go to him. He doesn't think it's sound. Wait, pray. Let's say you go to him and he says it's all right. He says, I just don't want to make any changes in the budget right now. Um, you know, like I said earlier, maybe talk about sacrifices you're willing to make. Don't be like, well, you're golfing. I don't know. My husband doesn't golf, but like, you know, you're going out and hanging out with your friends is costing money. Don't try to pull from his fun money or whatever. Um, demonstrate what is important to you by really willing to make sacrifices if it is important to you. And then again, let things rest, pray, give it some time, nagging. It does not say that wives will win their husband over with nagging. It says win them over without a word. Now I'm quoting, talking about first Peter three, where it talks about, um, husbands who do not obey the word that may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives okay so we're talking about disobedient husbands but um or unbelieving husbands who are not submitted to christ but the principle of winning your husband over without a word um and not nagging highly recommend wives <laughs> so that's that's what i want to say about the healing journey stuff from the perspective of marriage now i want to talk about it from this perspective of just you Maybe you're single and you're not married. or Maybe you are married and maybe your husband's cool with all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, just do what you think is best and have at it with the budget or whatever. You still have to watch in your own heart your attitude and response to pursuing health. And like women, we as women, we, we have that tendency of our first mother Eve. We want that knowledge and we sometimes cross that line of being willing to transgress the law of God in order to obtain it. Um, and I think one of the ways we do this is we can become very self-absorbed with our own healing at the expense of other people's feelings, generosity, um, other people's, yeah, other people's feelings and generosity um, and even relationships too, right? won't go out with anyone because I can't ever eat whatever now I want to say this if you're dealing with chronic illness and you are genuinely like <laughs> trying to heal something um that has afflicted you and you're 
you are being helped by certain nutrition principles and things like that and you just you have to kind of just stay the course and work on this or maybe you're like genuinely allergic and it'll be very bad if you eat something whatever okay I I'm not suggesting that you blow cautioned to the wind I'm talking about um, symptom chasing so like in the absence of super obvious things you know it's like we just and this this could go back also to this idea of orthorexia of trying to always eat clean and perfect okay um, which that's a separate discussion but um, viewing events viewing people viewing hospitality completely through the lens of food to the point of like mm, I can't eat this even if it really isn't going to hurt you um, and you know I actually did this we were on a trip I was pregnant someone gave me some artichoke dip for lunch and I had already said you know I am gluten-free that was something that like, I would just feel sick if I had gluten um, and they so they found some artichoke dip for me and of course I go straight to the ingredients and I make a face at my husband and I and I'm in their house and my husband later told me like that was that was rude <laughs> And I hate admitting that, but that is an example of me being willing to transgress the law of God um, in, in terms of charitability, love, kindness, Christian uh, kindness, right, um, for this healing journey or for um, my own personal well-being. So I would say that was a moment of self-absorbed behavior. It was a moment of selfishness. Now let's say you can eat something and you know you discreetly look at the ingredients you don't have to make a face just do everything in your power to not broadcast your um your choices or make them all make it all about you and what you can't eat or what you're purposefully avoiding or how would you suggest how could you suggest this you know i don't need this or whatever not everyone is on this wavelength and the Lord is able to keep you healthy even if you don't eat perfectly 100%. So back to the symptom chasing. Sometimes we'll get so caught up in eating clean, which if you've seen my stories, you know that I am, I, I do eat quite clean. Um, but I make margin in my life for, okay, we're going over so-and-so's health. They might serve me something processed and I'm going to be okay with it. And um, if I do need to avoid something, I'm going to do so discreetly, right? So I'm that's sort of my personal boundary for that. But, um, but yeah, we get so caught up in eating clean that we, you know, we'll get a little zit on our face or whatever. And we're like, oh, that was the, um, I had chicken last night that had been made with cream of a mushroom soup. And in that cream of mushroom soup was xanthan gum. So now there's a zit on my face. And so now, oh no, like, okay, maybe it was maybe it wasn't um but i think that symptom chasing can become this kind of neurotic uh form of selfishness and becoming self-absorbed and when you talk that way i'm talking from personal experience having done this when i've talked that way like i don't even notice it but then if i hear someone else who talks like that then i'm like oh that's kind of strange that like they kind of just broadcast that and talk like that and then i realize oh i do that that's my tendency so I need to not be judgmental <laughs> um but yeah the symptom chasing the looking for something that you know could maybe be wrong oh I have this little whatever we live in a fallen world and our bodies are impacted by sin 
So I want to talk about this. I advocate for stewardship and I advocate that Christians should strive to be very healthy people. I advocate that Christians should strive to get meat from sources that are ethical if they can afford that, right? So let's say local farmers where the chickens had a happy life, the cows had a happy life. I think that Christians, if they have the means to, should be should should be about the business of stewarding their bodies and taking care of their health as best they know how. I also recognize that we live in a fallen world and that you can do, sorry if you hear my son coughing in the background, I'm using a mic so hopefully it doesn't pick it up too much. But anyway, we live in a fallen world. We can do a lot of things right and still suffer the effects in our body. And if we get it caught up with, oh, the reason I'm still suffering any effects is because I just didn't do this one thing right and I just got to get this one thing right and we chase that elusive perfection that is not promised to us in this life and this is where the doctrine of glorification comes in because you know what it's being conformed to Christ is not just about moral purity our bodies are going to be glorified our physical we are going to receive um we are going to have our bodies physically transformed and glorified to be perfect so this is this kind of over-realized eschatology when we are looking at our choices as the end-all be-all to um, solve all of our physical woes again super advocate for people making better choices that increase their quality of life enable them to be more um, available to those around them to those they love increase energy increase sex drive if you're a married woman awesome stuff Okay, I love it. Women need to be learning about how to feed themselves because there's been a lot of lacking in that education, I think, and a lot of diet culture and you need to be thin and this and that. Understand. Um, But our bodies will not be glorified on this earth. You could attain a pretty healthy body, pretty great physique, whatever, but you will not even hold, it won't even hold a candle to the glorification that will happen to those who know the Lord Jesus Christ and who are trusting in him for salvation. Our bodies will then be truly transformed. And that is the ultimate healing we're awaiting. And so I understand there's this aspect in which we are we are seeking to, you know, um, in the sense of thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, We we want to bring heaven to earth some people would say that I I guess I guess what I'm trying to communicate is that seeking good health in the here and now is not a sin Um, because actually the desire to be healthy the desire to be whole and to be well and to be free from pain and um, things like that is built into us because we were made to be glorified or as Christians our, our our bodies were not made to remain in this state they weren't originally designed to grow weary decay and die so the fact that we will still have these remnants they remind us of of sin which then points us to our savior jesus christ and then increases our longing for the day that we're going to become perfect so let your let your physical ailments um let them help you seek out solutions right solutions that are beneficial that are cost effective 
Um, and then let them also drive you to remember that this world is not our home. We were made to have amazing bodies <laughs> um, someday in heaven. So, you know, keep that in mind and hold on to that hope. All right. Last thing I want to say before I wrap this up is that we don't, as Christians, we are not naturalists. Naturalism is an unchristian modern philosophy that reduces things, reduces bodies, reduces everything basically to the sum of its its physical components. So it, it looks at the world purely through um, what can be seen and observed and does not look in terms of the spiritual, right? It denies God and it's like, well, everything is just is reduced to cells. Now, obviously we know everything's made of cells, but um, we live in as... Um, <laughs> there's a pastor that says we live in a magical world full of angels and demons. <laughs> and that I say that to highlight um, the, the spiritual realm is alive and well, and God works in and outside of ordinary means. Okay. So he works in ordinary means in that um, when we feed our bodies, well, we generally get good results because that is the way God designed the world. That's the way he set it up. Oh, sweetheart. Oh, he has a little cough. Um, that's the way he set up the world. So when we live according to that wisdom, there are blessings, right? But we also live in a spiritual world. And so we don't want to be naturalists in that we look at health. Um, if, if, if we are just bodies and the sum of our parts, then theoretically, right, everything could be reduced down to what you eat slash your environment slash stress slash whatever if you could just get all the variables right you could potentially ostensibly attain some kind of per perfection right but we live in a spiritual realm and god works outside of those means and this this is a positive thing because this means that you can eat something sometimes and maybe from a naturalistic perspective you should get sick from it but the lord preserves you from it because he desires to preserve you from that right um, God is at work. So let's not um, forget the, the spiritual aspect to our eating and drinking um, because God is alive and well and working in our lives and he's able to preserve us and to keep us healthy and to keep us functioning even when we don't have access to all the perfect things, right? And, um, you know, and this is why the classic thing okay why does that person that smokes and drinks diet diet coke every single day why do they live to 99 well because god desired to sustain them for that long okay so if it, we, we were looking at this purely from a naturalistic perspective that makes absolutely no sense now the lesson from that is not okay let's smoke and drink diet coke that is not the lesson it is the exception that proves and it's, it's an exception that makes us go whoa that's outside of the ordinary. So we recognize that that's not normal. That's not behavior we should be imitating. This is unusual that he would be thriving at 99 on a diet of Coca-Cola, Spam, and cigarettes, right? The lesson isn't do whatever you want. The lesson is, wow, God is able and God has his purposes and plans in spite of just the way things are in the natural, in the flesh. So again, naturalism, it's unchristian. Um, 
understanding that there's a way that the world works and we are to live in accordance with that. So natural law, which really is just the way God set things up and um, it's observable, right? That is, I believe, um, a very sound idea. But then we understand that God works outside of ordinary means and he does whatever he pleases, right? So um, we hold those things in tension. In, yeah, in tension, we steward our bodies well. We give thanks to God for all things. When we are presented with something that is not absolutely perfect for us, we still give thanks to God and we give it, we can give thanks to him. This is an opportunity to trust him with my body, even when I'm not eating perfectly clean ingredients. It's an opportunity to enjoy someone's hospitality, to sacrifice something, um, to, to love someone well right and we we can be sanctified through these experiences and the lord is the one ultimately who sustains us and that's basically what i just want to get at with this podcast the the elusive healing journey as i've call it i've called it um can begin as this it can begin as this very understandable desire to pursue wisdom to discern good from bad um, and and it recognizes that we live in a world where there are objective better and worse things it, it's not saying well it doesn't matter how I eat because none of it really is different no God made a world of things that of varying benefits and um, pros and cons and there's inequity in the way he set things up so yes um, a I'm not going to get into this, but there are things that are actually better and worse. And so we're not denying that and saying um, and advocating for some kind of neutral position about food or the way we steward our bodies. No, but um, we are acknowledging that these these rabbit holes we can go down um, that can begin as a good desire for wisdom. They can cause us to try to usurp our husband's authority or we use it to justify dishonoring him, um, you know, by maybe doing something, spending more money than he would like us to write, or you start preparing foods he doesn't actually like because it's good for him and he doesn't appreciate that, um, doesn't feel loved that way. So that would be a way that we're seeking wisdom at the expense of honoring the Lord. Also, when we succumb to selfishness, self-absorbed behavior, seeing ourselves as kind of Um, everything must be subservient to me whatever someone serves whatever someone has must be subservient to me my health my healing journey I'm going to become fixated on these symptoms I'm going to um, you know basically look at my body through the lens of like what can I constantly fix and it becomes uh, a self-obsessed lifestyle Um, and then finally the pitfall of seeing our bodies as merely the sum of their physical parts and not as something that God is is taking care of and giving us um, he's the one that sustains our breath okay again working through natural means um, generally but he is capable and able and capable and able are the same (laughs) sorry but he is able and does work Um, outside of natural things and that is why we have to acknowledge that's part of living in a world that has both a natural realm and a spiritual realm okay so I think I'm going to wrap that up this is just kind of all flowed out of me because it's a big deal for women these days huge deal Um, and 
you know, I'm going to sort of finish off with a little story and I'm not even going to probably get it all right. But I, one time I was just talking to my husband or I don't even know where we were, but he said something to me like, would it, would any of this be an issue if you didn't have Instagram? I might be paraphrasing, whatever, but that hit me (laughs) like, um, a ton of bricks because he, he accurately identified where things were coming from. And he knew that the time that I spent online was like directly feeding into this controversy that we were having with one another. He saw that, but I didn't want to admit it. Now, the problem is not the free dissemination of information on the interwebs. I love that there is still a semblance of um, just free thought and spreading of ideas so that people can think for themselves all about that. So the problem is not that there is a dissemination of information um, or even information that challenges the status quo or whatever. The The thing was is that it's, I, I took this good thing, this ability to access information. This could be not just Instagram. You could be anywhere, right? Um, this could be like a group of friends that you have where they all become obsessed with one thing and then you get drawn into it too, right? But he knew like, okay, this is, this is an issue because of the time you're spending online I had to realize okay like would I be concerned about this if I hadn't seen xyz post today um and just rein that in and then bring things back to to reality um and to prioritize intimacy and joy and peace with my husband over a perfect non-toxic home if you can afford a perfect non-toxic home at no expense to your marriage I think that is absolutely amazing and I say that with no guile I think that is super cool and I love seeing people do it I love seeing people be intentional and sometimes like people have told me oh my husband's the crunchy one right um and I'm like rock on like get it girl like <laughs> that's super cool um but when you see that if you say oh well so-and-so's husband is on board with all this stuff don't let it become a cause for resentment my husband should be like that no god has given you the husband he's given you and you know maybe you will share some things with him that'll um you know change his mind and that has certainly happened in our marriage of just through having discussions and and bringing reasonable non-temperamental and thoughtful explanations of what I'm thinking or my position to him you know not coming with again like I mentioned earlier this is the way and you need to think this way and if you don't you're wrong no coming as equals to equals or he is the head of the household but I mean this in not coming with this superiority of like I am the beacon of truth in this marriage and I need to educate you because that's pride and that is not going to be received well because when someone comes to you as the ever flowing beacon of authority and insists that you do things their way does that sit super well with you probably not so let's not try that tactic on our husbands um not glorifying to God not helpful for the marriage all right I think I've pretty much covered this I'm excited for y'all to hear this. I'm excited for the feedback. Um, I think and I pray that this will be a blessing to marriages and single ladies as well and just whoever listens to this. Have a good day.